This episode is generously supported by our friends at PPAI. For 119 years, PPAI has been the industry's leading advocate and has worked to be the voice and force advancing the promotional marketplace to benefit our community. As the leader, PPAI produces the industry's largest trade show, the PPAI Expo, and the virtual PPAI Expo Direct to You, and offers in-person and virtual education, print and digital publications, product safety and compliance programs, and easy access to vital product resources and a network of thousands of industry professionals. See how membership in PPAI will improve your business at ppai.org. When we refreshed our company, sustainability is something that we're really striving to focus on. Whether it's today, tomorrow, or 35 years from now, we're trying to make sure that we're providing not only the best product, but the least impactful operation that we can to the world. What does sustainability mean to you and what steps are you and your organization taking around it? In this episode, I, Kate Plummer from Clearmount and Johanna Gottlieb from Halo, talk with Matt Hare from Hit Promotional Products about how HIT is all in on sustainability. We learn about their reporting, how they got started, and where they are headed. As a major industry supplier, it is fascinating to listen to hear how a company of this size is committed and open to change. So Matt, why don't you tell us who you are and what you do and how you got started at HIT? Yeah, so I'm HIT's VP of Environmental Health and Safety. I got started with HIT about 12 years ago in their warehouse. I started as just a normal order puller, and quickly worked through the ranks, holding positions in both the warehouse management team, as well as one of the founding persons. There was a group of us that started the safety more or less division that's kind of encompassed what we are today. We started that about eight years ago, and it was focused on employee health and wellness, and then safety. And then it's kind of grown into environmental compliance, as well as sustainability, business continuity, and a couple other things that more or less happen behind the scene of hit promotional products. So not very customer forward facing, but very heavy in the operation side and the success of the day-to-day grind here. So we started very small with a sustainability effort. We didn't really think that we were doing anything too crazy except for staying in compliance with local regulations. But you know, come to find out we were doing a couple of pretty good programs and kind of just grew off of that, started it small and this past year, some big leaps and bounds from a year one standpoint to where we issued our first sustainability report. So big growth in about eight years. Awesome. We didn't talk about this initially when sort of getting to this place today, but I do want to ask, since a lot of things have been done on your side in the last year or two, I can imagine that COVID and the pandemic and the extreme need for all hands on deck at HIT has been really something that affected your team. Have you guys found like a slowdown? Has it been more important than ever? I think for us, we've really got moved to the front of the pack. And I say that not so much as, you know, we always operated in the shadows of HIT. And, you know, I would say COVID have really allowed us to showcase what our capabilities were, not only from a safety standpoint or environmental compliance standpoint, but also impacting the operations in a positive manner. So for us, I think it helped us kind of execute at a higher level. 
from an efficiency standpoint, but also it gave us an opportunity to learn more aspects of HIT and what it could do for long-term success for and longevity of the employee as well as the operation and the business. So I would say COVID has made our division a lot crazier, so to speak, because we have a lot more going on than what we did before. Before it was just employee safety driven, but now it's we're really dabbling in a bunch of things across the board. Awesome. Why don't you give us an overview? This report encompasses a lot of the operations at HIT, like from your waste to your packaging to your people and to your sourcing. And so to kind of start with it, you didn't do this alone, but why don't you tell us what your role was in developing this sustainability report? At the start of it, I was the one writing it all. And I figured out very early on that there is professionals to do certain things in the world, right? You know, it's like playing baseball. Not everybody walks on a baseball field and can hit home runs. So, uh, you know, we're a genius. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> right away. We, we started very, very small and we just made a kind of an infographic of just some basic things that we thought were being asked about at the time. And we had just offsetted our carbon emissions through shipping with UPS. So we felt it was like a very cool, like, info sheet. It works great. A lot of customers really jived with what we were doing. So we're like, okay, let's expand this a little bit more. So I started the initial info sheet and it kind of just grew from there into year one, which is technically our year two in the grand scheme of things. But when at that process, and I realized that it was far beyond my capacity as a safety professional was we had looked at hiring through a partnership with a company that we had partnered with to grow our sustainability program with Green Business Bureau, I had a really good contact with their CEO. And I said, hey, we're looking to staff either a sustainability person part-time, possibly full-time. We're really not sure. We were just kind of getting out of the COVID like downside. So we weren't really wanting to staff somebody full-time and then lockdowns happen again or so on and so forth. So it started with some part-time conversation and we just realized that sustainability was something that was being moved to the forefront of the world. So we went ahead and took the gamble. We hired Natalie Shapey, who is our business sustainability manager full-time. And between the two of us, we started writing the sustainability report. And it went from our infograph sheet to about four or five pages. Then we went back to the drawing board and we said, hey, this is great. We looked at people in the industry. We looked at people outside of the industry. We looked at Fortune 500 companies to see what their reports encompassed. And for us, we just said, all right, this is the info we have. This is what we kind of like. How do we kind of mirror the two or three together? And that's where we did. And it took a little bit longer than what we anticipated. I thought I was going to be able to put a report together in like 90 days. It didn't work out like that. It took us about eight months, start to finish between pulling in all the information and then validating it. That was the biggest thing is, is we didn't want to drop anything out to the world that wouldn't be validated or wasn't consistent with the message of HIT and what our customers were wanting to hear. So we took a lot of time to have conversations with customers, to have conversations with industry professionals, as well as sustainability professionals. So we really dotted our I's and crossed our T's prior to releasing our report because we wanted everyone to have a clear open door vision of what HIT's positive impacts were, as well as our failures, right? Like not everybody in the world is perfect. So we wanted to showcase both. And I think that message really drove it home to everyone kind of saying, man, HIT's doing it right. They got a long way to go, but 
this is a really solid report. And so far, we've gotten a lot of good feedback off of it. It's interesting. So when you got started, your process for evaluating. So unfortunately, Natalie isn't here for it because she was a crucial part of this, but last minute problems. Your mindset of 90 days, we're good. We've got this. And when it changed, what processes for evaluating and measuring did you work with and thought were needed or should be changed for what you were doing? We found about seven or eight sustainability reports throughout Google. Like everyone loves Google. And we went through and we're like, man, we really like that. We don't really like that one. We like this one. We like this. And we said, okay, what are we missing out of all of this? And then we kind of just sat down in a room one day and it's the weekly meetings on Wednesdays that kind of really started that process. So we sat down and I said, all right, these are the reports we like. Let's pull these pieces from it. And then from there, as we were pulling in information, we realized that maybe we were missing something. So we had to go figure out what LTIs were and MTIs were for safety with lost time management and so on and so forth. So we really took the time to build it out and ask questions and figure out what was good and what was bad. Because like I said, hit with this being our year one report, we didn't know what to put in it. We didn't realize what customers wanted to see or what distributors wanted to see. We wanted as these are things that we feel that were supportive to hit. We felt very strongly on the things that we put in the report because we felt like those are the things that best told the hit story right now in our sustainability goals. And that's kind of what it was is we found ones that we liked. We figured out what our goals were going to be for year one. What is our continuous three, five, 10 year plan is going to look like? And then how do we put that on paper? And that's what we did. It was just a lot of brainstorming, execution, and then going back. We changed the report multiple times. Natalie, I think at one point was going to punch me in the face to say it nicely, <laughs> but you know, we just went back. We were just honest with each other, whether it was texts or colors or pictures or our marketing team. We went through them at the last minute. So we put this entire report together and said, all right, marketing team, what do you think? And like they even had stuff that was like, okay, hey, let's do this versus this. So It was really a team effort. But when you talk about just the core factors of it, we looked at things that we liked, things that we felt really strongly upon, whether it was employee health and wellness or sustainability or just social accountability. And then we just kind of built off of that. Just what is the world today? And what questions that we were asked or what we felt we were going to be asked over the next year or two? And we kind of drove it in from there. I have a question regarding that in that when you started this, did you see your sustainability work being very client facing or and like it evolved into being very operations of hit facing or do your intentions change or? Yeah. So I would say we had a lot going on in the operations that we didn't put out to the world. So it was not very customer facing at that point. So we had partnered with a very cool company. They're called New Cycle Energy. And it's out of our Florida operations. And what they do is they take our manufacturing waste, you know, pallets, woods, plastics, paper, some fibers and stuff like that. And they shred it down and they make energy fuel cubes. And in these cubes, they are shipped off to cement plants around the state of Florida. And what they do is they offset the use of coal burning. So that was something that we did it because it seemed like a really cool idea, right? And they were going to save us money on our waste management bill. So for us, it wasn't very customer facing, but it was already working towards the sustainability goal. So when we started, we're like, man, we have all of these programs going. 
let's turn it because people are asking about sustainability now. All right, well, this is what we're doing. So then we kind of turn the tide, like you said, the operational change of let's get it out to in front of everybody so they can see that we're efficient and participating. That's when that kind of turn took place was I would probably say early 2020, back into 2019 during COVID, because that was a really big push for end users was, you know, sustainable and being efficient and how are we protecting the planet at that point because COVID was driving all over the place. So for us, that's when we really decided as a company to kind of rotate and instead of being it just operational efficiency to really make it a sales goal for us is because when we refreshed our company, sustainability is something that we're really striving to focus on, whether it's today, tomorrow, or 35 years from now. We're trying to make sure that we're providing not only the best product, but the least impactful operation that we can to the world. Thanks for that. And so, again, going back to the pandemic, it does seem like everyone is all hands on deck. There's been so much talk and you guys have done such a good, transparent job on socials of sharing that you've literally had leadership on the floor, reps flown in to be working the factory and really just trying to keep up the demand in this crazy, crazy time. And on top of that, trying to achieve what sounds like a really big effort. And so efforts and reports like this can work better when everyone has a buy-in and it permeates the company. How, during this time, are you communicating to your frontline salespeople about this effort and these reports while also trying to navigate a crazy COVID time where all hands are on deck and the main focus is keeping end users happy? Yeah. So, you know, we're kind of accomplishing it both ways. Some people would say it's unorthodox, but What we did was prior to the release of our report, we sat down with all of our sales management team and said, hey, this is our report. And we went page by page explaining all of the highlights and so on and so forth and said, all right, hey, this is the bare information to get this in front of your customers and end users. And then something that I felt strongly on was allowing our professionals to be professionals and be in front of our customers. And that's Natalie. She has really dedicated her life to it. So What we wanted to do was get everybody the good general working knowledge of what the report is and what it has out there and let our sales team know that it's there and it's a living, breathing document, but also tie in Natalie. So now when there's a customer that has questions that are far outside the scope of a salesperson, they have Natalie or myself or a member of our team that can jump in and help them through that process, whether it's explaining our recycle program or what do we do with our hazardous or non-regulated inks and so on and so forth. So for us was we gave them the bare kind of minimum to get going, but then we have a professional coming in behind it to help out and support and guide throughout the rest of the process as we develop everybody. Because like you said, with everybody being all hands on deck, there's one day that we're in facilities packing bag orders, or there's the next day where we're in business meetings and everyone's dressed up. So for us was we'll let the people that have this job, let them shine and be successful in the operational area that they oversee. And that was kind of our push is getting the professionals in place and then allowing them to guide our sales force the best as possible, as well as provide a supporting help at hand if there's something outside their scope. I love that. Getting everyone to know and then having the person behind them to back it up is very key. Yeah. I know for things like this, Having a buy-in and keeping everyone on message can be super difficult. When we did our initial conversation with you about the report, you mentioned for the fuel cubes, one of your obstacles was getting people to throw things in the right trash container. 
for implementing the fuel cube, can you tell us how you started doing that? And then was there something that was really easy for you to implement where you're just like nailed it, should have done it a lot earlier? Yeah, I feel like nothing's easy to implement <laughs> at the size that it is. <laughs> But I can tell you as a small factory, it's not easier on a smaller scale either. <laughs> yeah. So for us, I would say, you know, we started with the basics. We started with signage and we started with just color identifying trash cans. And that's where we started. We put a green garbage can on the production floor with a bag in it. And on the green garbage can, it had green check marks next to items that could go in it. And then there was X check marks on stuff that couldn't. And then what we did is we had the company that we partnered with, they had a training program. So we went to all of our factories throughout Florida, who's actually participating in this program the most. And we went through every factory and every warehouse and said, all right, guys, we need to dedicate 15 minutes and we're going to go through this. And then from there, it was the managers. And then the managers went to our production leads and supervisors. And then at the end of it, with their support, and then my team is we focused on the employee level just because you know they're producing orders and they're going to forget and so on and so forth. So we spent a lot of time over the past about two years now constantly kind of going through and reminding. It's one of those things where you got to kind of check in on and refresh and enforce and you know so on and so forth. So I'm not saying that we're perfect, but we've definitely come a long way. Before, if you asked somebody what a green garbage can was, they would look at you with 10 heads and say, I have no idea. Versus now a green garbage can is they're like, oh, yeah, let's recycle, let's recycle. It goes there and then there's a trailer at the end of the you know facility type thing. So for us, it's come a long way. It's not easy, but it's come a long way. Was there one of the processes that you did change that you found really fun to change? Or was it all sort of like, I'm learning a lot about human behavior kind of moment? <laughs> I would say we've learned a lot about human behavior. <laughs> <laughs> You know, for us at HIT, we have a lot of ethnic backgrounds. So there's oftentimes language barriers or communication gaps and what someone thought they understood versus what they didn't. So for us, it was a lot of kind of retraining and refocusing in or changing how we as the sustainability team kind of rolled something out. So before we would just roll it out and talk to the senior level people and then say, hey, hope that you guys kind of tell your lower end staff about it. To where now is, is like we've spent a lot more time on the lower end level staff and we're kind of just filling in the upper levels than anything else. So for us, we've learned behavior, but we've also learned that with certain different personalities, we get certain different responses. So there's a lot that goes into it. But I would say that everything has been super supportive of it and wanted to get on board because of the initiatives and what they represent to hit. So. I would say the behavior wasn't one that's bad, like you have a bad egg, but it's just been super responsive in a positive manner. And it's really helped kind of hit navigate it. That's so cool. We talk a lot about here with employees and what they're learning and how they're digesting all this. For you, that's sort of the expert. What have you learned throughout this process, Melissa? What's been the one thing that stuck out to you? Go like, wow, I learned something new today. I would say how many things can impact one another. When you really start looking at the global impact, before somebody, I'll tell you, I was not a massive recycler at home. I never did it. And then it kind of started happening at hit. And then now at home, you know, you just kind of do it. So for me, it's just how one small thing can impact the other as the professional, right? So if I move this trash can two inches to the right, that's going to get that person more in tune with throwing away the plastic wrapper versus throwing it in the garbage and sending it to the landfill. 
So for us, it's just how much can actually be impacted by just understanding people, asking questions, and then getting to understand what that person does and why they do it, and then kind of go from there. So for me, it's more of an operational-minded person. I want to kind of know why that person is hampered or why they can't do something. So for us, it really made a whole lot of sense to figure out the goods and the bads of our operations and then build successful recycling programs or diversion schemes from waste to ensure that we're not only successfully implementing a sustainable effort, but we're also maximizing the efficiencies on our production side too. Got it. So this is something that's affected you professionally and personally, right? Taking it back to home. Yeah. I'll tell you like Natalie for us, she lives the lifestyle. I'm super envious of it because she's growing her own garden and she's vegan and does all these great things from a recycling standpoint. So for somebody to do that, it really does help the lifestyle change too, as well. You know, you start looking at things differently, whether that aluminum can needs to go in the trash or in the recycle, or what is a plastic cup going to do out in the ocean? There's a lot of benefits that I didn't look at before. And now we do a little bit more because of implementing this program and being a part of it. And it'd be interesting to see a year in what else you're doing differently. What else impacted you? Yeah. Oh, for sure. So shifting gears for a second, in the report, can you talk to us a little bit about the Fuel Cube initiative and how that works? Yeah. So we kicked off the Fuel Cube initiative as a recycle program for HIT to reduce the amount of waste we were sending to a landfill. So it's actually a diverted item for us. So before we would often average two or three compactor deliveries to the landfill a week, depending on the building size and location. And this company super awesome. They came to us and were like, hey, you guys can help us. We can help you. We're new to the Tampa Bay area, but you know, we 100% feel like we can support each other. And I said, okay, well, at that point in time, we were like kind of blew it off. And then honestly, the gentleman reached out to CJ Schmidt directly, our CEO. And he was like, hey, I got something for you. And then CJ kind of followed back up with me and was like, hey, I really like this thing. Like, let's talk about it. So we ended up hearing him out and figured out what the process was and what it would do for HIT. And it's really simple. We have selected material throughout our manufacturing process that they have deemed as serviceable diverted items. And what that means is they can take it, shred it down, and more or less put it in a fuel blended mix that allows them to burn at the same temperature as coal. So they take items like wood and pallets and plastic banding and wrapping and so on and so forth from us. And what they do in cardboard, they blend it all up and then they press it into these cubes. And these cubes are then used as like more or less wood burning pellets in the cement mixing process. So very cool, very awesome. New Cycle Energy is one of the larger waste to energy converters in central Florida. They have a large footprint with cement plants in and around Tampa Bay. That's cool. Do they have plans to grow? They do. I can't throw out all of their company initiatives, but I think there is some growth for them coming soon, I believe, based off of some conversations we had in the past couple of weeks. So for us, any building that we have at HIT, if they're going to be within a few miles of it, we've talked about doing it for all of our locations, if serviceable. It's really interesting sort of looking at your report and everything that you and Natalie did in sort of measuring everything, because that becomes one of the things that you don't realize what's a problem is until you start measuring. 
So one of the things on the report was you measured all the greenhouse gases of all your locations. Can you explain how that worked? Yeah. So while that is still very ongoing day in and day out, Natalie has done an awesome job managing it with kind of help and direction behind the scenes. But for us, the greenhouse gases, we've accomplished scope one and two, which is you know majority of our operations. Three is more of your supply chain and other things like that. But scope one and two for us really encompassed a lot from electricity to propane gas in our forklifts to refrigerators and AC units. So for us, there was a lot more measuring than we thought when you really got into it. The EPA has an awesome carbon calculator online. That's what we kind of started with. And that was our go-to. And we started there just by plugging in numbers and they give you a step-by-step guidance item on what to kind of go look at and what each thing is. So there's like a support menu and it's free carbon calculator to anybody. So we started there with some guidance from one of our largest customers and we worked with them and they gave us some of their info and we kind of ran with it. Once we got done with the scope one and two, again, validation is really big for us. We never want to release any type of information that's not validated. So just in case someone comes back, it's not going to be like, well, oh, hey, we found holes in your report. No, we want to make sure that it was solid. So then we're actually in the process currently of validating all of our information for a second time through a carbon calculator and a business partner with us, Green Business Bureau. They're going to be releasing this new tool. So we figured that we would drop all of our information into that to help them validate their own product as well as us to give us another secondary response to our original numbers. Very cool. So just a quick question there. When you say scope one, two, and I'm assuming a three and a four, what do you mean by those? Like what falls under scope one and what falls under scope two? I'm probably going to beat this up, but (laughs) the scope one and two for us is the operational impacts that HIT has, whether it's our actual impacts from operation, and those are usually in one and two, and it's split up. So One and two are usually the ones that tie most efficiently together of your own independent impacts on your operation. Scope three is when you get into like employee travel and supply chain and all these other things that are a little bit more hard to manage. But scope one and two for sure is more or less your own individualized impacts, whether it's from your building to your AC and refrigerators and all the things that people often not really worry about. And then all of your credits and offsets. So for us, as we're a large electrical use company, but there's ability to offset that with clean emission credits. And that's what we did. So scope one and two is more or less your direct impact. Three is your supply chain. Easiest way to put it. Yeah. You're going to start looking bigger, essentially. So Yeah. Yeah. So for us, scope three is our target goal, but it's not anything that's very easy to obtain. You're talking about all the way down from the ship you put your container on to the trucking company use. So for us, it's something that it's going to be over the next probably five years that we build into scope three, just because there's so much information. What I mean, like you're talking employee business travel and what does that mean and transport and commute. And there's a lot that goes into that, that we've never collected that data before. So we have to collect that data, validate that data, and then start putting those numbers together. Yeah, it's not a 90-day report, basically. No, no, no. This is like, <laughs> Man, if it was up to me, it'd be a 90-year report because it's that much information. <laughs> Just span your workout. So. Yeah. 
what I really liked was you had to focus on the human side of sustainability. And that means sourcing from countries that are safe and have fair labor laws to even internal efforts of like COVID practices. So can you tell us a bit about how you measured everything and what your efforts were there? Yeah. So when we started, we wanted to make sure we focused on key things that we felt we objectively covered and successfully ran throughout the COVID pandemic. It's still going, but there was a lot of stuff that we measured. And that was the number of temperatures that we took each day, our employee retention throughout the whole pandemic process, as well as the number of employees that we actually had sick. When you talk about the square footage and the number of personnel that hit, you know, had at that point in time, to only be at about 20% of its workforce actually infected over the course of the entire COVID so far year to date. We took a large step in tracking all of that information, not only from a government standpoint, weekly phone calls with the health department, but it was good to know because it validated that we were doing the right steps to protect employees throughout the process, whether it was wearing masks or social distancing or putting up barriers. And it just helped kind of ease the pain of essentially watching our facilities go from 3,000 orders today to figuring out where we're moving stuff next, right? So it really made it entertaining to track that as well as kind of give you the pat on the back that people are coming to work each day and able to go home and still obtain a paycheck. And then when it goes into the labor stuff, we tracked all of that because it's big. When you talk about social compliance in the world today, you know, there's countries out there that don't follow those rules. So for us, we wanted to highlight things that we felt were very key to our operation. And that is labor. That's ensuring that our people are safe, that they're healthy, that they're able to navigate within HIT. And it's a message that we've really pumped up to improve our culture here. HIT needs everybody producing at a high rate to be the company that we are. And everybody is a team and everybody's link is linked together. For us, it was really key to highlight that because it was a very big portion of our company throughout the whole pandemic. Matt, let us know if you are working with other suppliers or service providers or even distributors to learn what they're doing around this. I know you mentioned a lot of research and Googling some other reports. We all know there's a lot of people in our industry that are really showing up for this. Redwood Classics comes to mind. I know we did a really robust podcast with them last year. I've had great conversations. Where are you like dropping the curtain here? What type of information are you sharing with others in industry? Who comes to mind? What kinds of conversations are happening? Yeah, we've been transparent across the board. So I don't think we've actually, from a hit standpoint, there's nothing that we've kept from anybody. Maybe some programs that we've had in the works that we haven't had completed yet. But like I said, once something's validated for us, we've really put it out there to everybody to see. We're not hiding behind fake information or anything like that. So Like I said, once it's validated and we feel comfortable with it or feel like it matches the tune of what the world is, you know, we've let it rip. And that's just, like I said, confidence in the program, confidence in our customers and our end users that we feel like that we're providing a true solid support to them as well as helping them reach their goals. There's a lot of companies now that want to do business with sustainable companies and not just, you know, recycling some paper, but actually truly making an impact on the world. And our sustainability program not only just focuses on recycling and so on and so forth, but you're talking about social compliance in our supply chain. You're talking about safety and health in the workplace and sustainability. So for us, our program really highlighted and dropped the curtain down for everybody to see that HIT really is doing what we're say we're doing. It's not a sales pitch. It's not a sales tactic. 
This is just real operational stuff that we're doing on a day-to-day basis. And we've had conversations with some of our top distributors, some of our top end users. They know our program. They've happened to ask us questions quite frequently. I can't share all of their information, but yeah, we're having conversations across the board. Anybody that wants to talk, we're willing to talk. And like I said, the information's there for anybody to see. We'll be more than happy to explain it to anybody. And we're as transparent as transparent can get when it comes to our sustainability program. That's great. Our industry has changed so much. I've been doing this 16 years and it used to be this big wall of don't share the client name. No, I can't give you the logo. Let's not talk about that. And now Promo Kitchen, Common Skew, so many wonderful groups and service providers in this industry have allowed for these, you know, distributors and suppliers to have way more transparent conversations. Yeah. I think the transparency when it comes to sustainability, there's a lot more to sustainability. Like I said, social accountability, human health and safety and wellness. Those are aspects that I know a lot of people don't like talking about because, you know, what is it, glass door or whatever? You're always going to hear something about a bad employee. But for us, we really pride ourselves. Hit spends a lot of money each year for myself and my team to be here to ensure that everybody gets the support they need in the event of an emergency or, you know, catastrophic event or whatever the case may be. So, you know, those are real things that are happening. And we want to highlight those because CJ and the Schmidt family, they've invested heavily in us. And not just from a let's go sell it to an order. No, they really care about their employees. They care about the way our factories look and how we navigate each order it gets down to the smallest things. And it's something that when we drop the curtain on and it's transparent in our sustainability report is it's real. And it's something that everybody in this company believes in, especially the executive team. You have one line in here that really stood out to me in your report of talking about what you chose to measure and everything. And sort of getting close to wrapping up here is you have this line saying, these topics are subject to change as innovation trends and challenges within our industry are discovered. Is there anything that you have your eye on now that you think will become a bigger thing? I do. I definitely think the product side of stuff is changing. And that's not really my ballpark, but I get to see enough of the emails that fly around on a day-to-day basis. I think there's going to be a growth in the sustainable product field. And the reason why I say that is there's new validation methods, whether it's compliance testing or documentation or whatever else that's growing in that area, as well as I think you're going to see a big growth in the sustainable factory, as well as really a culture shift in people. I think COVID really highlighted people's self-worth. And I think you're starting to see that as people return to the office and so on and so forth. Like there's no longer going to be the employee that wants to work 90 hours and not getting compensated for it or whatever the case may be that you hear across the world. So I think those challenges that you see is going to be highlighted over the next few years and kind of tied into sustainability one way or another. But I think there's a lot to say with how it's going to be translating over the next three to five years for sure. I think sustainability has only grabbed a little bit of traction. I think there's a lot more traction that's going to come from it on all levels from our industry, whether it's a product to our operation, to our buildings, to our employees. I think you're going to see it across the board. And that's why that statement for us really, we wanted to make sure that people realize like we're not going to stay just stagnant, right? Like we're not just going to say we're doing this and this only. No, that statement meant that it's going to grow with this trend. Sustainability is a thing that's going to be here for a long time. People are realizing that it's not just environmental. When you say the word sustainable, sustainable business is real. Like 
efficiency and operations is real. And all of that tie into being sustainable. And it's not just what the world is going to turn into tomorrow. It's what we're doing today to affect 20, 30 years from now. That's amazing. I mean, we could end exactly on that as a wonderful statement for the future. But is there anything else that you'd like to put out to the promocation community on what we should be doing, what we should be asking for, or even just things that didn't make it into the report that you think are just as powerful? For us, our report is a year one report. So I think year two is going to have a lot of great information. Scope one and two is a real thing that people should be working on and looking at from an operational impact standpoint. And I think if there's questions to be had, you know, we're willing to help. And not saying that we're professional consultants or anything, but we can at least get you pointed in the right direction. So don't be scared to ask other people what sustainability is and what it is to that operation. And not saying we're going to tell you how to do it, but we can possibly give you a recommendation on who to go talk to. I think like you said, dropping the curtain down and and having good professional contacts to help move this industry forward, I think is very important for myself and Natalie and our team, as well as HIT. To be an industry leader, it's not just having the most product and the most sales. It's about what are we doing to influence the industry, right? And I think sustainability is an influenceable item over the next few years and into the future, right? So I think that's a really big key area that we can kind of tee off on and help influence the industry to move towards that and hopefully better the future. Love it. Thank you so much. Appreciate your time. Sorry, Natalie couldn't be here. We all know she would have really shined here. Yeah. (laughs) But thank you for everything you're doing. And hopefully this will be the start of more conversations for many suppliers in our industry. Yeah, I love it. Thank you guys again. Like I said, any questions about our report, definitely feel free. We're open and available. We're ready. If I can't answer it, I know Natalie can. Well, perfect. Well, thank you again, Matt. And we highly suggest everyone check out the report. Thanks again for listening to this edition of the Promo Kitchen podcast. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, you can always get involved in the Promo Kitchen community by visiting us at promokitchen.org. You can also show your support by donating to our cause at promokitchen.org slash donate. We would sincerely appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you.